Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off a fun episode, as always. Uh, Ryan and I, we're talking about the Kings and looking ahead at a kind of a tough schedule. Uh, but the Kings have fared well, so it's going to be a fun episode to talk about Kings basketball. If you're looking for that episode or any of our other episodes, you know that you can always find those streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcast. Bringing in my host today, as always, Ryan. Was good. How's it going, everybody? We are back after uh, a little bit of time off, just because of uh, scheduling conflicts and stuff. And uh, you know, it seemed like every time we wanted to record, Eric, there's kind of like a Kings game on. So we don't like recording during Kings games, just obviously because we want to watch the game and the entirety of it. Uh, but I'm happy to be back, man. Kings, uh, you know, that, and we're going to talk about it, but that big win a couple nights ago against the Warriors. And then obviously they shit the bed on the second night of a back to back against Clippers last night, but big things have been happening, man. Um, you know, the, the play in tournament or play in tournament, the play in, or what, what are they calling it? The mid season tournament. tournament. Thank you. Thank you. The in season tournament. Uh, I'm a big fan actually. Um, and me and you actually haven't really talked about that that much. So I was hoping we can get on here today and talk a little bit about it. I uh, still don't really understand the whole format of how they were kind of fixing everything, but it's fucking fun, man. Uh, I enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, just, just happy to be back and, you know, Kings are kind of figuring it out right now. So it's, it's fun. Yeah, the in-season tournament. We haven't talked about that. I was actually thinking about that. The last episode I recorded, it was a day before one of those in-season games, and I was like, you know, we didn't really bring that up at the same time. It's kind of been a, a, a topic that everyone's kind of... Because I think the same thing. I think people have been um, just kind of waiting to see if it's exciting or how it played out. You know, But we could, yeah, definitely can talk about that, obviously, with the big win, the Warriors and everything. They didn't really advertise it, right? Like, am I the only one that was like, you know, and I, I pay attention to the NBA a lot. Like I, I'm pretty up on everything and I just kind of feel like they didn't really advertise it and didn't hype it up. And it was kind of just like here and they didn't really talk about the formats or how it was going to work. And, you know, so it was, I, I was a little confused at first, but I think I got it down now. Um, especially now that they're like in that quote unquote knockout stage. So uh, obviously Sacramento has got the Pelicans on Monday a team that just kind of, my opinion, bad matchup has their number. So we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. No, I will say on that before I get a couple things, they, I feel like they did, the NBA did advertise it, but it's like crazy because the players were kind of like, what the fuck is this? And then even like while watching some of the games, the announcers were trying to explain it, but it was kind of the same thing. But uh, we can talk about it, opinions, what you've seen, opinions, what we think so far, and if it's going to stick on when we get into the episode. 
Uh, before we do so, Ryan, I got to start off as we do always uh, to uh, read off the ad for our degenerate gamblers out there like ourselves. If you're looking to get on and join us in that club, you know where you can go. Uh, this holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info. With up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, BetOnline has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access anytime for almost any sport that's played. MMA, international soccer, head to BetOnline today and remember to use that promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I made it through the ad read without stuttering. I have to read it off the words here, Ryan. And, you know, sometimes I can't read very well. So bet online, get on there. Don't miss out. I think, you know, what's crazy is I've been, uh, I talk, you know, you talk sports with people you come across, you're kind of hanging out with. And um, I've been in tons of situations lately, lately or being at games and, you know, people sitting in front of us on, in, in rows and you can see them live betting and anytime i'm talking sports betting comes up dude so it's crazy how much it's taken over and how every it's like common you know i remember a while ago it was one of those i'd bring it up and oh you know i had this much on the game it's like oh you bet yeah. and now it's like you don't bet kind of thing you know so it brings the action to the game for sure um well, it's uh, fucking, it's, it, isn't it fucking fun though isn't it like the best dude it, it is the absolute best the you know the king's warriors the other night um, and I got to talk about this because it, it was a big, it was a big hitter. Um, it's probably the biggest hit that I've had on the NBA so far this season. Uh, I did a prop bet, right? Kings Warriors the other night. And who is going to score the most points in the game? Both teams, right? And it gives you a list of players. So I put a $5 bet. It was like, I don't know, $5 bet plus 4,500 or something. And I picked Andrew Wiggins. And uh, at the end of the game, Curry had 29, Andrew Riggins had 29, Deer and Fox had 29. So I was unsure if I was going to get that payout. I, I didn't know if the app was going to push me or what. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep. I'll wake up in the morning and look at it. Woke up the next morning, man, $245 later on that nice little prop bet. So a big hitter. It was. That's obviously, you know, the way you want to start your week when it comes to betting. So I threw some scratch tonight on that Thursday night football, and I will be a heavy hitter on Sunday and Saturday for the college football this week, man. So it's just, it's fucking awesome, dude. It makes the game better. It makes watching the game. It makes the experience better. Um, it makes me keep up on other NBA teams and other NFL teams that I typically probably wouldn't pay attention as much to. So um, I, I just think it makes the fan experience a whole lot better. Uh, so yeah, everybody hop on that bet online. If you guys don't know how to bet, go read uh, a page or two on the interweb real quick and fucking figure it out, man, because it's a blast. Before we get into the Kings talk, which I'm sure we have plenty, we're going to start off the episode as we always do with our trivia game. So, Ryan, this is where I read you a random player from our past, and you have to guess them based on our bio. So here's your player this week, Ryan. Um, this player, let's see, I'm going to get it right, because sometimes I read this to you and I leave out something or I miss it, so... Here it goes. Okay. I'll be overly detailed. He's American. Six foot nine, 245 pounds. Power forward. High school, no college. Drafted straight to the NBA in 1998 in the first round, 25th overall by the Pacers. Playing career, long playing career, 98 to 2015. 
98 to 04 Pacers, 04 to 06 Atlanta Hawks. Back to the Pacers, 06 to 07, 07 to 08 Warriors, 08 to 10 Knicks, 10 to 12 Nuggets, 12 to 13 Magic, 13 to 14 Wizards, and then his playing career ended in the Fujian Sturgeons and the Sydney Kings. Um, Nesmith Pro- Player of the Year, 98, averaged 13 points, 5 rebounds a game. Who's your player? <laughs> Are you going to get stumped again? I didn't get stumped last time, I don't think. Oh, man. 98 to the Pacers? Yep, power forward. 98, 98 to 04 on the Pacers? You'll know it. Well, I'm thinking Jermaine O'Neal, but Jermaine O'Neal was Portland Trailblazers. So, so is, that, is that your guess, or you got another guess? No, it can't be, because you're saying this guy was drafted by the, the Pacers. Yeah, and played for the Pacers for the first six years. So, who is it? Oh, Antonio Davis. No. You're, Al Harrington, bro. Al Harrington. Oh, I'm stupid. Yeah, fucking idiot. I, I, thought I, was, I thought I was giving you a layup. No pun intended, but uh, yeah. So there we go, man. You're on a you're on a little streak there, dude. All right, so do some stuff. That was dumb. Right. Fuck, that was dumb. Uh, no, I got the last one right, dude. The, the I'm, I'm first one, first one. The the when it's not a it's not a losing streak until you lose two in a row, man. I thought I got you on a random white guy, but I can't remember. Mm. Anyway, uh, so let's get into the talk. Plenty of directions to take here. We can talk about what's happened most recently, or we can talk about the King's schedule. I think what, here's what I'll do. I'm looking because I was looking at the schedule as we're logging in, and you know the Kings were coming off of those back-to-back L's against the Rockets, and we were pretty pissed about that, probably as everybody else was. And we really looked ahead to like the ten games, and we and a lot of them were on the road, and the Kings did pretty well. I mean, all things considered, the way the West is looking, Kings did pretty well. They won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and lost three in the last 11. So that's pretty good, man. And then, the, and on top of that, I will call it a cherry on top. They actually got off the schneid of the Warriors. Uh, Warriors have kind of just, I would say, uh, you know, had their number uh, in general over the last few years. And so to win that game and to do it in the in-season tournament uh, with the weird court at home was cool. Uh, so I don't know what's your thoughts, and if there's anything that stood out you want to take away. I don't know. Well, well, I'll just start with the last thing you said, the weird court. Whose fucking idea was it to wear blue and have the championship trophy in the middle of the court matching the Warriors' fucking uniforms? I shit you not, dude. I turned the game on, and I know the game is in Sacramento because I sold my season tickets for that game. I turned the game on, though, and the court's blue and yellow, and I'm like, what the, am I tripping right now? What freaking day is I? It took me a second that I was like, oh, crap, it's that in-season tournament court, but it really threw me off. That's just bad uh, bad planning right there on, on Sacramento's part. You, you know, fix the court, fix the uni, so you're not playing Golden State wearing that shit, but uh, let's, let's talk for a minute about getting over the hump with Golden State, I guess. Um, obviously Golden State's had their number, right? Going back to last year and going that seven game series and winning game seven in Sacramento with Steph Curry dropping 50. Um, in my opinion, it's big because of the comeback, right? Like Sacramento had every reason. All they had to do was not lose by 12, you know? So at the end of the day, you know, they're probably thinking, oh, we're down 24. Um, I, I thought that was going to take a little bit out of them. I didn't think they were going to complete the 
the comeback just because of that mindset. All we got to do is not lose by 12. Um, but it says a lot about the team being able to come back from 24 uh, in, in a meaningful game, right? I, I think we can both agree that the, the in-season tournament, you know, to get to the knockout stage uh, against a rival that you lost to in a playoff series, that's probably about as close as it gets to a playoff atmosphere without being in the playoffs. Uh, stakes are somewhat high. There is something to play for. Um, and, and I'll just be completely honest, man. De'Aaron Fox was the best fucking player on the court, and I don't think anybody can really argue that. Uh, so that's encouraging, right? It, it, it's it's encouraging. It says a lot about the team. Um, so that that is definitely a, a win that I was proud of, right? We On here, we try not to come on here and talk about moral victories and all that shit, but um, that was one of those wins that it's like, fuck, man, okay, they finally got these guys. Can they continue that, though, right? And then obviously, you know, you get a bad taste in your mouth after the Clippers game yesterday, but uh, that's kind of a schedule loss kind of thing. You know, Clippers coming in on back tonight after a quote-unquote emotional game the night before. But uh, Sacramento, they 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 looked really good in that second half against Golden State, and uh, hopefully that's a you know kind of continue that kind of thing. And also, fuck Draymond Green. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. God, he sucks, dude. I hate watching him. I absolutely hate it. I despise watching him play. Um, it's, it's just frustrating. The guy's just his antics, dude, and everything. So I just want to talk about that and throw that out there real quick because I feel like we haven't hate on Draymond in a while on here. Always down for that. Um, I think that the, the thing about – we talked about the up and down is of, this, of, of, the, of the Western Conference going into the year, and it's kind of playing out and shaping up that way. And you don't want to fall behind too much. And, you know, for the Warriors, outside of playing the Kings, they've had a kind of a rough – a rough go a little bit for bad. standards for yeah i would say so um you know i think it's getting close we always talk about christmas being a good benchmark you get a good chunk of games at that time but it's getting close to really kind of tell what teams are and and this is something i don't know if it gives me hope and encouragement or if if it does the opposite but that I think the Kings roster and the Kings as a team are a little bit incomplete. I think they're they're a little bit inconsistent. I think they rely too much on, you know, a couple things, specifically De'Aaron Fox and hoping that somebody else decides to have a night to win. And even so, they're still, as of today, sitting, you know, basically they were fifth seed yesterday, sixth seed today, you know, 10 and 7. So with all of that, like, I, I guess to me it's a bit that's, – that's what I've taken away from the stretch. A lot of the games be on the road. It's a bit encouraging to see them be where they're at at this point for what it is because I don't think they're playing entirely that great. I mean, we went through a stretch where – Kevin Herter was dog shit, um, and De'Aaron Fox missed games, and you know they've they've been able to withstand. That's the stuff we talk about. We've been talking about for quite some time now. Is if a player goes down, can they respond? If if they have one player in the starting lineup that has a bad stretch, can can they still rely on the rest of the rotation to pick it up? And it's not perfect, but still, when you pull off, you know. Eight and three and eleven. That's uh, to me. That's that's the biggest standout uh, in the last couple of weeks, I guess, for me. Yeah, they. You know, it, it's the obviously the rosters. I, in my opinion, I, I agree with you that it's not complete. It's Sacramento's so fragile, dude. It's like you you watch them play, and it's like obviously you know the records you know pretty decent as of right now, and they're kind of in the thick of things as we approach Christmas, but. It's so fragile, dude. I, I feel like this year more than ever, if 
if De'Aaron Fox goes down with a with an ankle like he did earlier in the season and he has to miss two weeks, that's going to be the difference between Sacramento Sacramento possibly like not making the playoffs. You know, if he if he has to miss like ten games, are they going to win? You know, like they are they rely so much on De'Aaron Fox this year, obviously averaging thirty one points per game. Um, but the, the the roster around him is just it's inconsistent. Uh, Harrison Barnes has been bad this year. Kevin Herter's picked it up lately, but shit start to the season, shit game last night. And then, um, you know, like like Sabonis last night, you know, there's just games where Sabonis doesn't score, doesn't really rebound. Um, and obviously, you know, De'Aaron Fox dropping 41 in a loss. It's, you know, they, they, it's so fragile and it's so dependent on De'Aaron Fox. Can you sustain that through the rest of the season, man? That's a heavy burden for one player to carry. Um, so, you know, and, and as we approach the new year and obviously, obviously the trade deadline and stuff, that's something that I think Sacramento is already thinking about. How do we upgrade? How do we upgrade the roster around De'Aaron Fox? Because, um, as it stands right now, I, they're a good team. Um, are they as good as last year? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really think so at this point. I think the thing about the Kings is that, uh, the way that they're built is that if all things go right, like meaning, everybody kind of hits their averages and everyone's healthy. They're a good team because it's, it, it, it's built, it's built around that, but that's the difference between middle of the pack and lower tier and winning playoff series versus the teams that do that and, and make it through is that they're able to kind of switch up there. You know, I was talking to someone recently about the, uh, the playoff series last year, and that was one thing the Warriors did. You know, there were there were multiple lineup changes throughout that series, and the Warriors were able to make one more lineup change. You know, game five, game six, game seven, towards the end of the series. And I, and and I look at the Kings this year, and with it being so reliant on De'Aaron Fox, I mean, if the guy doesn't score thirty points, they have no chance. And we recognize that, and that's why going into the season, we talked about the really the only guy in the starting lineup who has a chance to elevate beyond their averages and beyond the role was going to be Keegan Murray because he's younger and clearly had a lot of room to grow. But Herder, Barnes, got and, and Sabonis, they're going to do what they're going to do. And when everything's humming, it's good. Like, the Kings are going to be good. But when De'Aaron Fox isn't or someone else isn't picking up the slack and doesn't play up to their averages, they're bad. And that's, that's where I have a – that's been my thing, inconsistency and then just, like you said, incomplete – and it's interesting because we haven't we've kind of refrained from coming out the gates and being so aggressive on talking about trade talks and shit this year that um, <clears throat> that we haven't put them out there. But I have been seeing tons of people in Kingsland on Twitter already throwing the, the trade machine out there. And a lot of guys are being targeted, like Zach Levine's of the world and stuff like that. Uh, that just shows and recognizes that everyone is kind of thinking along the same lines and watching the same type of basketball and kind of deriving it to a same point, I would think, you know, concluding this, what the Kings are. So I think it's pretty clear. I, I think that they can kind of limp along and do what they're doing. But like you said, the uh, sustainability over the, over the season is the one for me that's in question, I think. 100%, man. And um, it's like, it's, you know, this is the year that, and it started a little bit last year, but people were hesitant, right? People were unsure, and same with us. We didn't know if they would actually, you know, complete the run into the playoffs about this time. Um, but it's the first year in a long time coming off a playoff uh, appearance, going seven games with the defending champs, um, that we're actually going to be buyers for sure at the trade deadline, right? Like last year, you know, some people were a little hesitant. We didn't really know what was going to happen. 
we didn't know if the Kings were for real. Well, the Kings are for real this year, and they're going to be for real. Um, so I, I'm expecting a lot more blockbuster trade machine stuff in Kingsland this year. But I'm all for it, man. I I, I do think it's going to happen. I think they have the pieces. They have the, the contracts that they can match pretty much anybody. Uh, they have the assets. So um, I, I'm all for it, dude. I, this is, we are slowly approaching the best time of the NBA season for me and you, which is trade deadline time. You know, that middle of January to the middle of February is the best time of the NBA because um, it shows shows fans, it shows us which teams are fully committed in, right? You get some teams who are on the fringe. You're like, oh, what are you going to do? You're kind of on the bubble. Are you going to sell? Are you going to rebuild? Are you going to go for it? And I love it, man. I, you know, you get, you get a lot of teams that just put all their chips into the middle of the table, dude. And they say, fuck it. We're going to try to do this. And uh, I love it, man. I, I, this is my, we are approaching my favorite time of the NBA season for sure. Well, it's, it's that after Christmas, teams figure out who they are, and they have that gap up at the, at yep. the all-star break and all that. Um, and and I will, uh, I will put it out there that like a, a lot of teams, I think, in in the Western Conference, kind of front loaded their acquisitions going into the year, uh, and the teams that are going to be, uh, I don't know, I'm I guess I'm trying to predict what the market's going to be like trade wise, but. I think that when it comes to like the big time, you can call it blue chip or whatever, you, you know, acquisition. I think that the Kings will be really, like you said, really competitive in that market. I mean, there's always going to be those destination city teams that are going to be players in the buyout market. And they'll probably pull off some bullshit and, and push off a bunch of future pick assets to get some type of you know player that'll be in the rotation. But blue chip stuff if you will, or Blockbuster, or whatever you call it. I think the Kings have a chance this year uh, better than most years. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is, too, because like you're saying, they proved it last year that what they have is is real and sustainable, which means that they're going to be more willing to uh, move the the pick assets, which really, if you want to get involved in that type of Blockbuster scenario stuff, matching contracts isn't going to be enough it's going to have to be include future picks in that and that's what the that's what a lot of the good teams always do is once they get to a certain level they're just they're just uh pushing off their future assets to win now and so the kings are finally in that position over uh, years and years and years of never wanting to move a pick and if it is highly protected a couple years from now you know i think the last time the first round pick was for herder but it was you know, protected and, and all those things, which it, it worked out this past year. So I, I like, I like that for them. And I do like to, I, I do like to see uh, around that Christmas time, like you're saying on which teams are already kind of figuring the roster out. And then you start to see those names in the market to be traded for. And that's where it gets pretty fun for us and for fans. I think. 100%. That's, that's, it's the best, you know? So, um, We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm, I'm like again. I'm expecting Sacramento to make a splash, man. There's, there's gonna be some name, num, uh, sorry, names available. You know, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, OG Anunoby, however you pronounce it. You know, maybe Pascal Siakam. Uh, so there's guys out there, stars. You know, borderline all star, star players um, that can definitely help Sacramento, man. It's gonna be really, really cool, and uh, hopefully. Monty Big Balls McNair can get it done. That would be good to do the other Big Balls episode. Like, we yeah, that would years. be. That was fun. 
Um, I've just been looking at the Western Conference standings as we've been talking. I will point out, man, the Timberwolves 14-4, number one seed. Those fools figured it out, and I did not expect that. Yeah, but is it, you know, this this is the thing, okay? Because I, I, I literally have the standings up, and I was looking at how Minnesota's roster is compiled. Not a lot of shooting, okay? And, it, and it's fine during the regular season, right? They got three bigs, really. It's Nas Reed, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns, and then you have... You know, Anthony Edwards, who's just a borderline fucking superstar already averaging like 26 or 27 a game. That just strikes me as a as a team. It, it kind of reminds me of the Utah Jazz when Rudy Gobert was there with Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if that team is built for the playoffs. Just looking at how the roster's constructed, constructed I don't know, man. I, I'm not – I was shocked that they were 14-4. and four. I knew they were up there, but – to have kind of the best record in the, in the Western Conference, that ain't a true representation, man. I, I think that team's they're good, but I don't think that's a representation that of uh, the best team in the Western Conference, man. That's just that's just my opinion. I know well, you love Anthony you. Edwards, but I I just I the way that roster is co- is constructed, man. I'm just not a big fan of it. Uh, a couple other teams that I'm not surprised, but I guess I kind of am. Thunder being one. Um, Chet Holmgren, man. Yeah, I mean, Thunder is probably one. The Rockets aren't entirely terrible. You kind of called that one going to the year. Rockets aren't entirely yeah. terrible. They're, they're eight and eight. They got the veteran, the veteran pieces. Yeah. Um, I love seeing the Grizzlies at the bottom of the standings. That's awesome as always. We talk yeah, about fuck that. those guys. Yeah, no, they kind of finally came back down to earth. But yeah, the the up and up and down is kind of going as predicted. You know, there there's there's the top tier, and then there's a big from pretty much from. Four down to eleven. You know, everyone's everyone's right there. Um, I wanted to come on the podcast though because we took hella shots at Herder uh, the, the first uh, last couple episodes, as plenty of other people did. We weren't alone. Pretty much everybody did. But I, I will say the guy kind of. I'm happy about that. I was gonna lose my shit if that's how it was gonna be this season. It's just lackluster, his last lackluster stuff. Everybody, I guess, at the end of the day, does rise or fall to their averages, so there's that to bank on. But I was getting kind of worried about him, man. That one was kind of concerning me. Yeah, I mean, twelve and a half points per game. That's you know, twelve and a half a game. Cool, right? I, I think you know the the three point shooting still needs to be better. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he was like O for something last night. Um, that kind of shit can't happen. You know, I, I, he, he's a frustrating player to me. He, he really is because, um, he goes out there and, you know, it's surprising about him. He's a, he's a decent rebounder. He's a decent passer and stuff. Um, but when you think Kevin Herter, you think of, you know, knockdown shooter and it's extremely frustrating when his shots just not going down. Cause I feel like there's a lot of guys who can do what he can, what he can do when he's not knocking down shots. You know what I mean? Um, I was kind of thinking of, you know, like how Buddy Healed was. People used to get so frustrated with Buddy Healed if he wasn't hitting shots. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to try to take that same approach that I used to tell people. Well, he's a fucking shooter. Shooters are going to shoot and keep letting him shoot because eventually he's going to get hot. So I keep telling myself that when I watch, watch Kevin Herter play. But, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said it didn't bother me, man. It's, it's, it's something that's really frustrating, especially because um, you have a guy like Malik Monk who kind of plays the same position. Um you know, who's not out there sometimes because Kevin Herter is. So something to keep an eye on. We did bash him, but fucking deservingly so, dude. Jesus, man. This guy was shooting like fucking 18% like the first like week and a half through the season. It was it was ridiculous, dude. They're, you're going to get hated on when 
you're on the team to do one thing and that's to shoot threes and you can't do that. Yeah. You're, you're going to get the, you're going to get smashed on here. Well, at least he's playing better. His name is probably the the biggest name when people are throwing out the trade machine stuff, the, the trade projections, because, uh, I guess his contract, he could shoot, he could play, but, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to point that, but you know, we do that, you know, I don't want to come on here and shit on guys and then I kind of recognize some stuff. So he had a couple 28 point games, 21 point game the other day. So there's that. Um, one thing we can talk about and spend a little time on, which we'll probably will a lot all season is Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray, one point above his average from last year, not make the big jump. Like, see, I mean, everybody was, we, we were hopeful. We said it, we needed it, but we were really realistic about it and question if it could be a thing. And so far it looks like it's going to be about the same, maybe a little baby bear progression, not the 17, 18 points like people wanted to believe. And so well, I thought about bringing that up just now, just cause do you think it's a red flag? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I think that last year we were, we were open. I don't want to go crazy and make us look because hindsight, we can get crushed, but you know, we, we were, we were kind of talking about last year, like it, could the Kings have traded him for for an all star forward, you know? And I'm not saying the Kings trade him. Don't, I'm not not going there, but um, I think where I would like to take the take instead is that I think that we got to. I don't know. I think people got to. What what's what is this guy's kind of peak in the next three years? What's it going to be? And that's what it is to me. It's in question. And when you're your two player and you're barely into this season, I I can't say red flag, but. I don't know, man. It's one of, I don't know. I, I I don't know how long it's going to take. It's not like he was 19 when he came out. 18, 19, that's, that's the, you know? that's the thing for me. And then that's what bothers me about the whole situation is you weren't a 19 year old, right? What is he? 22 now. Um, you know, if he was 19, I'd be like, all right, cool. You know, like he's, he's a kid, right? Like he's, it's going to take a minute, but that was the whole thing about Keegan Murray is everybody's oh, he's NBA ready. He's NBA ready our whole thing has always been kind of what is this ceiling, right? Like we know his floor because that's what it is right now, but what is that guy's ceiling? Um, and it is a little bit of a red flag for me. It's a, it's a little alarming that he didn't make a, a bigger jump. Like we thought he was going to, like he thought he was going to. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, McNair is probably thinking the same thing. And, you know, Mike Brown came on that. What was it? The all the smoke podcast. And uh, they, they talked about Keegan Murray as being that, third guy of their quote unquote big three to, to get them to the next uh, level. If he can't do that, man, it, that's huge. And it, you know, uh, me and you had the conversation last year and it wasn't like, Hey, trade Keegan Murray. It was, you know, what if he doesn't take the step? Like people think he can, what if he's not where he, like what people, what if he is what he is right now? Right. What if he came in NBA ready? He is who he is. And you know, you just, it is what it is. Right. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a fear that I have, to be honest with you right now. I, I'm not saying it's going to be, and but it definitely crosses my mind. I watch the games. He's been out for a while right now, but, um, you know, you you think about that kind of stuff, man. The guy didn't make the jump like you thought, and it's, it, it is alarming because I, I think Sacramento's season and getting to the second round of the playoffs and getting to the Western Conference Finals is up to that guy. You know, you have Fox, who's a superstar, and you have Sabonis, but you need a third guy in today's NBA. Well, and for me, it's it's not a red flag because not like he's a bust, you know. I, I I I'm with you in everything you said. I think, I think where I'm at is that I'm not just I. You and I loved Keegan Murray coming out. I'll be honest. I think we were probably one of the few that were. And our, you know, the receipts prove it. The stuff we did draft time and our prove it. Um. So it's not a hate thing. It's just that 
I guess my fear more than his development, because I don't know, and I'm not, I don't know if the guy will ever really be in the twenties. You know, he might be an 18 guy, a 17 guy. I hope, I hope, I guess. Um, but my fear is more that the Kings are passive in their acquisitions. Like they kind of were last year. And I, I'm afraid that they go passive again this year in their acquisitions because they're going to say, Oh, well we, we got this guy, we got to give him time. And then they don't make the moves and then it burns them. Right. Where, where if they recognize that, like hypothetically going to trade down, like, you know what? Murray's like two, three years away from us relying on like, we need to. So let's go out and get a Zach Levine who, who we know can reach the 25, 30 points in a, in a game. I'm going to say a game, but in a game, if he, if he needed to for the next two to three years, while we work on this core development on like a three-year timeline kind of thing. That's, that's for me, what I'm thinking that they need to make that assessment kind of ASAP and not wait, because if they go through all year and they, 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 they beef up the rotation on the back end a little bit and they go in the playoffs and it's the same result. They're just going to delay the process and guys are going to get older. And then guys you rely on um, in the rotation, those guys always end up getting moved and getting paid or somewhere else. And then uh, you kind of missed an opportunity of a window. So to me, that's, if anything, it's that right there versus him because i think it's fair to give the guy time and not to put a crazy amount of pressure on people did and to expect him to jump from 12 to 20 in one year that shit's not real no i i think it's you know putting unfair expectations on people's you know that that's that's definitely a thing but for me it's you know again yeah darren fox isn't getting any younger sabonis isn't getting any younger the the window's now all right, the window's not three years from now. It, it, it's now. It's time for Sacramento now to get to the second round. They need to win a playoff series. They got to get to the second round and possibly get to the Western Conference Finals now. You know, you don't have, you know, three more years of losing in the first round. That can't happen. You lose in the first round again this year, or you make the play-in tournament and don't even get in to the to the actual playoffs. It, there's going to be changes. The window's now. De'Aaron Fox is a superstar now. You don't have time to wait. And my whole thing is, does Sacramento have time to wait for Keegan Murray? Like you said, what if he is two to three years away from being that guy? You know, they can't wait for that. Next, you're going to blink and De'Aaron Fox is going to be 30. You know, Sabonis is going to be 31, 32 years old in a blink of an eye. And it's, you don't have time to wait for Keegan Murray to be 25 years old. Right. And again, I'm not advocating for him to be traded, but that's just it's it's the truth. Right. And it's something that um, I've really picked up on the season so far this year. So uh, we'll see when he comes back and, you know, comes back from the injury. Maybe he does bump it up to 16, 17 a game like we talked to talked about in our in our uh, preseason um, podcast. But we'll see, man. It's something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Well, and, and I would like to add, too, so it doesn't get misconstrued in your take, I think that. Uh, recognizing that in the roster and him doesn't mean he needs to get traded. I think that's why a lot of people have the herders and random other players package plus picks, because if they recognize that, then, you know what? I'll just keep using Zach Levine as my example, but it could be a plethora of other players, right? But what if it is a, you know, a Fox, a Levine, a Murray and a Sabonis, and then whoever else is left over like then Cause I, would you agree that right now as the roster's constructed, we're, we're looking at a two to three year um, kind of window to take advantage of and be aggressive of before you reassess. Would you agree in that? Yes. 
So I think that with that, what you don't want to do is just lock it in and keep rolling it. And that's what I'm saying, and that they're passive in what they do. And then all of a sudden, they miss this year. Then they go into next year. Then they're trying to make the acquisition next trade deadline. And then we're talking about it's a little too late. It's a little too late to start doing that. So they got to recognize that dude's, uh, like you said, uh, you know, ceiling or what it could be and where it's going to hit a little earlier. There's, there's a lot of pressure on him. I think that that is something I, I will put my faith in that the Kings recognize that because of the quotes that came out from, from Mike Brown a lot and around the Kings in uh, the preseason and stuff like that. Right. Like that to me, I think they do recognize that. So I, I, I a lot of years, man, I wouldn't put faith in the Kings recognizing their faults because they never showed they did. But since Monty's been here, they pretty much have they pretty much done a pretty good job of doing that. You know, outside of his first year he got here, he kind of let things play out and then he shook it up. So I, I'm gonna put my faith. I, I will put my faith for a little bit and then we can talk about it as the season goes on. But it is something to point out for people to think about, um, you know, in that sense, I think. Yeah, you were talking about, you know, as a year goes by, two years go by, whatever. You know what happens with that too? And if you're if you're passive and you don't make the move and you're like, you know what, we're gonna regroup, we'll make a little move. We'll bring everybody back. Maybe we'll try to move in the offseason, you know, but we're going to run it back pretty much next year as well. The problem with that is, you know, now you're, you're older. What happens if somebody goes, one of your stars go down for the season, right? There's another lost season, you know, and then all of a sudden you look up, like I said, and guys are 30, you know, and your window shrunk there. The window is now for, I don't care what anybody has to say. The window is now there's no ifs and or buts about it. You have to go forward. You have to. You have to take that next step. You know they they already jumped in and made the playoffs last year and took Golden State to seven. Whatever. We'll see how this in season tournament goes. You know they're in it. You know if they make a run in this in season tournament, you know maybe that's more of a, a pressure on them to hey you know actually we we do have a team that can compete with the best teams in the NBA. We need to make moves now. So I hope they recognize that. And I, I'm with you, man. I think they do. In years past, if you'd asked me five years ago, I'd be like, not a fucking chance. But McNair now, yeah, I, I think they do recognize that. And that's why probably why we're talking about this so much today is because I think we're both anticipating that. Yeah, and the window the window is open until it's not open, I guess. And that's an easy thing to say. But I'll point out a couple examples like I'm to, re- to reference, man. I think like well, a quick one off the top of my head who I've kind of thrown a King's comparison the last couple of years was the Atlanta Hawks. A couple of years ago, the Atlanta Hawks made a nice run in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, got Eastern little, Conference little, Finals. Yeah, got a little bit aggressive, but then they they kind of got stagnant. And they they've, they've regressed since that point. And if you ask Hawks fans, you know you have a young Trey Young, a nice loaded team, um, a lot of some a mixture of young players, veteran players, and you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. What do you think those people were saying at the end of that season? They were probably, oh, the future's bright, blah blah blah, right? And then look where they've gone, regressed since. And um, other teams uh, of late, I would say that you talked about it, the Utah Jazz with uh, Doughton, Evan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. That was a team. They, they, they got up there to the number one seed. It's not exactly the same, but they got up there, and they were going to stay stag- stagnant because our team is what, you know, and then, boom, it, it didn't work out for them. Portland's the one in some kind of weird sense, too, that a lot of it was cap-related. That's another thing, too. You make too many moves or sign the wrong guy, you get in a cap situation. So there's a couple of variables that can – kind of fuck you up in that sense but there's a lot of teams like that that have that have tried to inch along or you know do this and do that and not move off a guy and and then it, and then all of a sudden time passed them by and i i don't want to be 
a team like uh, like Atlanta. That's, I guess, the one that always sticks out. To. I don't want to be a team like that, that that makes it and then regresses. I think it would be a real, real tough position for Kings fans to be in after uh, so many years of uh, ineptitude to have uh, a good team and a good window and mismanage it. And then three years from now, we talk about regressing. I, I think that would be a r- real tough uh, pill to swallow for people, and that's what worries me, especially because you do have a lot of younger teams in the Western Conference that are starting to figure it out too. I mean, like the, like, the Thunder are figuring it out. Like the Timberwolves are figuring it out. And the Pelicans, are, are they own the Kings. They're going to figure it out. And plus all the other teams who are just traditional winners who are going to you know parlay assets right away. So all that combined you know you can't just assume and that's been my theme i guess you can't just assume the kings are just always going to be better and better every game and every season man i don't think that's the thing you got to be on the lookout to be better i think constantly got to look to improve the roster no matter what you know look at look at golden state you know what i mean golden state wins 73 games one season you know and they're still you know granted they lose to lebron james but still looking to improve the roster. How many times has Golden State changed up their roster in the last 10 years and won with the different guys on their team? You know, you gotta, you're constantly looking forward. You're constantly looking to get better. And I think, you know, just thinking that the same group of guys is going to be on this roster still doing this and competing three years from now, I think it's kind of, uh, it's unrealistic, right? Things change and players come and go and, uh, you know, as a franchise, you got to be aware of that and you can't get too attached to players and you can't be scared to make uh, to make moves. But like you just brought up with Portland, you make the wrong move and you're fucked. Right. So there's that fine line that you have to walk across uh, to, tr- to try to build a team in the NBA. It's extremely difficult. And on top of all that, you have to hit on a draft pick at some point, like Sacramento finally did with De'Aaron Fox. You know, you, you got to have the You got to have two superstars. You got to maintain cap flexibility. You got to get all your stars on the same timeline. There's so many variables in the NBA when it comes to, to making a championship run that it's extremely difficult. So, um, you know, we're on the right path right now, but we'll see where it goes from here. You talk about making the right moves, man. And the draft, I think that what has been kind of disappointing and we bring it up a lot has been Davion Mitchell. I mean, that that's one that when you, if the Kings had hit on that pick, man, I mean, look where they would be. It would just be a different a different conversation. So I just talk about how fickle it is, how every move and every decision is. Because, I mean, that's a guy that right now is averaging five points a game, dude. He's getting 16 minutes. I mean, and that's a lot of that probably is a little bit inflated with Fox having been um, out. You know, I'm I'm wondering where his final averages are going to be uh, midseason. What's the midseason averages? And man, that's that's disappointing for me. That's one that I'm. I think people just have accepted it. I don't know because I don't hear a lot about it. Me and you, me and you have been on that. You know, don't want to be those guys that say I told you so, but I told you so. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's we we called this, dude. We we've called this since. You know, day one, right? We didn't think it was the best move for the team, especially, you know, at one point having Davion, Tyrese, and De'Aaron Fox all together is just kind of a lot. It was redundant. Um, but, yeah, you're right, man. If they hit on that pick, which I can't even remember right now who was in that draft, but if they hit on that pick, yeah, look look where they could probably be right now. 
you know, you probably get past that game seven last year if you have a guy um, who took the steps already. So it's extremely fragile, man. It's franchises. One bad contract, one bad pick can be the difference between you competing for 10 years for a championship and, you know, being at the bottom of the freaking swamp. Yeah. I mean, there's been, uh, there's been a couple teams that have been on withstand that in NBA history. The Warriors have withstood it having top a top pick like that. But look, it's the Warriors. Pistons back in the day, they they missed an uh, epic one with Darko. And, you know, they still won. But those are outliers, dude. Uh, but I will get, say in that draft, on a side note, you know, realistically, if you're looking after David Mitchell, there's no one really crazy of note um, that I would have paid, you know. But – but TTP for sure. Trade the pick was something we were always preaching. Trade the pick. And, Hashtag you know, TTP. You know, exactly. It's it is something we do that that I. It's fun to like go back and revisit takes and revisit things a couple years later. You know, because in the moment everyone debates and argues what they should do, but then a year or two later, like keep the conversation going, kind of type of thing. Um, yeah, I think TTP all the way on that draft would have been great, which is what we said, but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so the in-season tournament, I was scrolling through Kingsland a little bit through the episode like I was doing. People are, there's a bunch of threads. People are all confused about, like, uh, one, like, how, because, oh, they play 83 games that count towards the record. I think that's the thing. Is people don't really understand how it counts. Um, but I, I actually do. I will say this about it. From what I, how I understand it, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be acting like I'm a pro at understanding this whole thing, but I think that uh, it it is kind of cool how they place some a lot of value on regular season games like this for this pool play stuff and how it kind of progresses along. That's that's kind of cool. I think the thing that I'm curious to see is like when it's all said and done and this in season tournament is finalized, if if people cared as much. You know, that, that, that's going to be it. Like, it's kind of cool right now. Like, oh, cool, this game means something. Kings are this and kings are that. But then at the end of the day, is it going to matter? Like, do we care? I don't know. But I like it and I'm here for it. I, I think I think people will care. I, I really do. And also, you know, the players are going to care because winning team gets 500000 a piece, dude, each player. Do you see yeah, that? That is, that is that's some scratch, dude. Well... I hope James Harden wins it just so we can get a view of him throwing it all up at a strip club. That'd be. What does the winning team, do you know off the top of your head, what does the winning team get instead of money? Is it an automatic bid to the playoffs? I can't remember, dude. I'm telling you, they did not, they didn't advertise very well. I think they did. I think people didn't care to read and kind of poo pooed it. And then, uh, and then. And then didn't take the time to uh, research it. Like, I, I mean, that's really, I would, I'm kind of describing myself. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then I didn't really research it. Uh, so I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess, I guess for me, like I said, to, to this point, I guess it is interesting that some games have uh, more value on them. So there is that. I think a lot of it's just they get, they get the, uh, they get to win it. They get to say they win it and then they get the money, which, that's cool for them. They get the money, but for the fan thing, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if the Kings won it, I mean, they won a summer league title a couple years ago, so they got that. I'm surprised that's not in the Raptors. At here's here's a good question: If the Kings win the in season tournament, does that go by one of their couple Pacific Division bands? <laughs> it has to. It has to. It has to. Kings would do that. Like, yeah, the Kings I think. I think, I think any team. Like, I think any team will do that with this. I really do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think any team, regardless of regardless of who won, I think the in season tournament champion is putting that banner up for sure. And to be honest, there might be like a not a ring ceremony, but like something. There, there'll be something, dude. They're gonna do their best to make it a, a mainstay of the NBA season. Dude, people are gonna be. There's so many bad takes from people, from casual people that are going to come out of that if that happens. So it'll be pretty much like the couple Pacific Division banners, the Monarchs Championship, and the in-season tournament if they get it done, dude. Claim to fame. That's that's Kang's for sure, I think. That's Kang's for sure, dude. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the NBA this season has, I, I don't know, it's it's been, it's been fun. And I think for me, what I've enjoyed too, outside of the Kings has been, there's a lot of teams that the last couple of years have had younger players. We already mentioned a few, but like even the Orlando magic right now are, are doing really well, uh, 13 and five. So that's cool. Um, you know, I, I, that, that's what I'm liking is, is, is watching some of the younger players. I guess when I've been going back and watching games and then as we go through this, the, the season uh, schedule and we talk about which games we're going to go to, I've been I've been looking forward to seeing some of the younger guys play. So that's been that's been kind of uh, cool. I don't know what what's what stood out. What, what have you been watching a lot outside of the Kings? I I, sh- I guess I should ask you. I mean, the big stuff as usual: Lakers games, Warriors games, the nationally televised stuff. Uh, one team that I've paid particularly close attention to outside of Sacramento, though, like actually following them, uh, is Dallas. I, I, I had come on here last year and talked about how Kyrie and Luca. I thought that that's something that, that could be dangerous. Um, and then they got off to a hot start. I, I just think that they are so good and they're so fun to watch. I, I know a lot of people hate watching Luca and I love watching Luka Doncic, man. I, I think, I, I think his offensive game is fascinating, man. It, it is, it's something that's fun to watch. People just hate the flopping, which I get it. And then I think Kyrie Irving is the funnest basketball player uh, to watch. I, I think his creativity, man, how fluid he is on offense, uh, his ability to just really score from anywhere, man, that's that's a fun team. So anytime that they're on, I, I do watch a lot of Dallas Mavericks games just because I, I really like watching those two play. When I go back, I like to – we talk about we go on YouTube and watch the um... – you know the the game they put like the the ten, ten minute game recaps and highlights and stuff. Um, I I have been liking to go back and and watch the the Thunder. I've been watching a lot of Chet Holmgren's stuff. He's just he's cool to watch play. When he was coming out, I really liked him. But I you know with his build and everything, I wasn't sure how he translate. And then with him getting hurt, it kind of reinforced that. But then this season, that's been a fun. That's really been probably a fun one for me. And then. Uh, I think Webb and Yama too. I told you that's the if that's one game. I think we're we're planning on doing a group out and that can go into that game, you know. But that was one player I, I have wanted to see in person was was Webb and Yama. Um, and then just to add on there too, a lot of chatter in Kingsland about Tyrese Halbert again. Not that we have to get into that, but uh, people are starting to post rankings and stuff, and it's still it's still surprising to me how the guy gets so much love on a five hundred uh, five hundred team in the eastern conference just because he has a bunch of assists so that's kind of been the to me the out of kings like talk like highlights when it go when it when it comes to nba i guess you know so i'm scrolling while you're talking trying to figure out the whole in season tournament shit the the champions get the money that's it they get a trophy and the money 
I, I really feel like the the winner of the in season tournament should get an automatic bid to the playoffs. Automatic bid, you know, and then whatever record you have, you can fall into that, you know, right? You you, you can fall into the standings, right? So if you if you're the worst team in the NBA and you're in the Western Conference and you win the in season tournament, that should kick the number eight seed out, and you should get the eight seed. You have the worst record out of all the playoff teams. You should get it, man. There has to be an incentive, dude, because what's going to happen with this, right? And I, I can see this now. I, I the the in season tournament falling off, and guys just kind of like, yeah, eh. You know, I think it was the first year this year, and teams were teams were kind of going for it. You know, you saw the other night with uh, with Boston that they were like fouling. Do you see this? That they were hacking Drummond. They were hack a shack on Drummond. Because they had to win by a certain amount of, they had to cover the points to get into the tournament, you know. And some coaches are pissed off about it. So right there shows me that, you know, like Billy Donovan, he didn't understand what why that was happening. He was like, "What are you doing?" And what's his name, Joe Mazzulla or whatever the the Boston coach, I think that's his name. He had to he had to explain to him. So that shows me that teams really don't give a shit. The teams the teams who aren't very good don't give a shit about the in-season tournament. Teams that are like, well, I have no chance to make the playoffs, so, I mean, this is just another game. We're not going to win the in-season tournament. But if you gave an incentive, you know, hey, if you miraculously win this in-season tournament, which is only a few games, it's possible, you get an automatic berth to the playoffs. I don't know. I, I think that's how I, you sustain it. I think what this is going to get turned into a glorified all-star game at the end of the day if this starts out. If, it's going to be another regular season game. Guys really don't give a shit. I think that it... I, I like your headset incentivizing. I think doing that because they play so many games that it would really fuck up everything. And it's like what happens in the NFL sometimes where uh, shitty. Well, I'm a Bucks fan. It's like an example. It was back a, a years ago where the Seahawks were like seven and nine, and they made the they made the playoffs because <laughs> they won their they won their division, and the Bucks went ten and six, and they missed the playoffs that year. So I think that the you don't want that happening. Where I think the in season tournament is going to be really the sweet spot is going to be teams like the Kings, like in that tier that are trying to, it, it kind of keeps them. I don't want to say motivated, but it puts urgency at a time in the season to keep them up above. Like they're actually playing for something. I agree. The teams who know that they're, they're going to be there at the end, like the nuggets, uh, the bucks, you know, teams like that. I could see them saying, you know what, if it comes down to an injury or if it comes down to something like that and forcing minutes on guys or just taking a bow out on this in-season thing and, like, you know, chilling out, I could see them erring on the side of chilling out because at the end of the day, the prize is at the end of the day. Because five hundred, what's 500 grand to these guys, dude? Even in California, that shit's getting taxed heavy. Do you get, like, 200 grand out the door those dudes get fined that i mean it you know i'm not yeah i mean i mean for the 15th for the for the bottom roster guys that's that's a lot of money right obviously but there has to be something dude you gotta incentivize it somehow because again you know these bottom tier teams dude are just like yeah fuck it and so you have one team who's playing hella hard and you have another team that's like yeah whatever you know is is there has to be some type of incentive towards the playoffs or something there has to i don't know figure it out there's got to be something that'll be well that'll be a thing like i said we'll see what happens when uh it's all said and done if it really created the incitement excitement 
that they wanted to create. So um, cool, man. Well, hey, guys, we appreciate you listening. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric and Kingscast Ryan. We're pretty active. Um, something new, Ryan. I saw the Spotify rap for podcasters came out and we were we were uh, viral in nine different countries. A lot of Asian countries listening to Kingscast. So shout out to all of you out there in, yeah, random, right? In, in Asia. Um, if you want to check us out, you can always find us on the Believe Podcast Network. We're on the Sacramento Kings signature show. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Kings. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.